You're listening to episode 128 of the Mad Chatters podcast, March 8th, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name's Derek, and joining me today are my fellow hosts, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. Three white males doing a Disney podcast. Groundbreaking. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I know that you are dying to know, and I know our listeners are dying to know who made it to the next round of Munch madness. So I say we get right to it and don't leave anybody hanging any longer. It's time for Munch Madness! So, last week we announced the top 32 restaurants in the Munch Madness Tournament, our epic battle of the restaurants and the eateries at Walt Disney World, and throughout the past week, we have been thrilled with the response and how many people came online to make their picks, to make their voice be heard, and to vote in round two of Munch Madness. And today, we have the results. Who is moving on to the sweet and savory 16? Now, Uh. (laughs) you're welcome for that. Um, I have talked to my fellow co-hosts, and they have opted not to know the results. So they will be finding out just as you do, listeners. So without further ado, Jeremy, why don't you remind us who's going head-to-head in this round? All right, and this week we're going to start off with a real barn burner. I think that's what they say. And that is... Ohana, the favorited number one seed from the Polynesian bracket, uh, coming to against. <laughs> is this even what it means to be number to be number one seed? Is this even what it means that you're number one on this thing? I did mark Ohana as one of the number one seeds. Okay, all right, one of. So there's multiple number one seeds. There are four number one seeds. Okay. Surprise, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they're facing off against Tepanidu. Now, this would be a... Edo. Tepanidu. This would be a a real surprise if the underdog won. And we all know America loves an underdog. So I voted for Ohana. I, too, voted for Ohana. I three voted for Ohana. Yeah. I don't think it's any surprise to listeners of this show that we voted for Ohana. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it away now by saying that this was the biggest blowout of all 16 rounds. And with 88% of the vote, Ohana moves on. All right. Wow. No surprise. No. No upsets here. So speaking of the seats, I kind of want to, if it's okay, I'm going to kind of clarify how I did this because I didn't explain it very well last week. Behind the seats? 
behind the scenes, let's take you there. So, in general, I would say that I listed these 64 sort of in order. So, probably the first 10, we would give like an A. And then the next 10, we would give like a B plus, A minus. And then the next 10, you know, like a B minus, C plus. Just in general, not necessarily in order, but that's kind of how I did it. And then once you rank them, then, okay, the first number one seed is going to go against the number 16 seed and so on. Well, next week, Ohana will be facing the winner of the next game. Uh, and that is Flame Tree Barbecue against Captain Cooks. I voted for Flame Tree Barbecue. Did you now? I did. I voted for Captain Cooks. Oh yeah, I voted for I I voted for Flame Tree Barbecue. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I do like Captain Cooks, but it was one of those when you got to pick. I just have a a long standing affinity for Flame Tree Barbecue. Gotcha. That's fair. Well, yeah. this one much closer. The winner took only fifty one percent of the vote. And it was Flame Tree Barbecue. Yeah! All right, now. Woo! They're going to win the whole thing. That's the Cinderella. Isn't that a term they use? Yeah, very uh-huh. good. Man, I'm so smart. Yeah. So we're going to have Flame Tree against Skewers of Meat over an open flame. Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. That is. For just okay. different reasons. Uh, the next, next uh, game or matchup is Sana versus Casey's Corner. Yeah, this, I mean, I didn't even pick Casey's Corner last week, but for me, this was no-brainer. Sana, that's who I voted for. Uh, see, yeah. for me, I'd say this is no-brainer Casey's Corner. Wow, okay. Wow. Yeah, I voted for Casey's Corner. See, I voted for Sana. I'm going with Sana because Sana just brings an atmosphere that Casey's Corner just lacks. Sophistication. That's what I'm looking for. Well, only 52% of voters agreed with one of us. I mean, no, 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 with one half of us. (laughs) That's still not the right word either. I know, because we're three. (laughs) (laughs) Only 52% of voters agreed with Jeremy and me. Okay, from one to one and a half. Oh, it's really two. (laughs) But that's what I meant, with one of the two choices. But anyway, what I'm saying is 52%. I really expected it to be higher than that. But Casey's Corner. Sanaa won. That's what he's trying to say. Sanaa won. Main Street has a heavy draw. It does. Yeah. And honestly, I think probably more people have eaten at Casey's Corner than Sanaa. But still. The next matchup, La Cellier against Harambe Market. Matthew, where did you pick your pony at here? Harambe Market. I, too, voted for Harambe Market. And I voted for Harambe Market as well. Mm. How did the fans vote? Yeah, do you guys have... I I feel like I should be asking you what you think fans voted for on these. Well, I mean, Harambe Market is newer, so some fans have probably not eaten there. or I I probably think that La Cellier pulled it out because it's just got the traditional... If people haven't been in a long time, La Cellier is still like top of their list. Right. 
Um, Le Cellier is always on blogs, I feel like, of the top 10 dining experiences in Walt Disney World. And 49% of people did vote for Le Cellier. Oh, wow. In another very, very close round. I think it was a one vote difference. Harambe Market won. And then we'll move on. I think we need to come up with like a parody song of like from Fiddler on the Roof, but about Le Cellier. Like, what keeps Le Cellier on the top of our lists? Tradition! <laughs> oh. So that matchup will be Africa versus Africa. Sanan Harambe. It's like the history of the whole continent. What? A civil war. They're always fighting. Oh, I Every see. nation in Africa is like perpetual civil war. It was a it was a statement, a political statement. <laughs> well, not really political, just historical. Yes. Geopolitical, yeah, historical. Yeah. There you go. We're smart. We are. Look at us, sports, politics. <laughs> Broadway, <laughs> history. You know, we are such a cultured podcast. You get a little bit of everything here. Mm. That's right. And All the right. poop jokes. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of poop jokes, moving on to Skipper Canteen against Raglan Road. I don't know why that's a poop joke. It just felt like a I don't joke. either. I voted for Skipper Canteen. I did too. I voted for Raglan Road simply because I've never been a skipper. Oh, oh, interesting. Well, this was not as close. This was a 70, excuse me, 74% victory for Skipper Canteen. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad. I hope Disney's listening. They won that handily. So the Irish are out. All right, next matchup. Sunshine Seasons against Pecos Bill. Now, this is a really interesting matchup because it's like the battle of nostalgia. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, For me, I prefer Pecos Bill. The environment, the food... The location there in Frontierland. I too voted for Pecos Bill. Although I do have to say, I had some pretty delicious fish tacos at Sunshine Seasons this past Saturday. Someone just posted yesterday on Instagram. I think it was Rich, a.k.a. Maple Disney. And he, he posted a picture of the land. And he said, Sunshine Seasons, one of the most underrated restaurants in all of Walt Disney World. And he talked about a specific food item, the cinnamon toast, French toast bread pudding. And that was about enough to get me there to try that. Mm. But I was curious to think how many other people thought it was an underrated, beloved restaurant. Well, I did, and that's why I voted for it. There you go. Good for you. I feel like Pecos Bill probably pulls this one out. Pecos Bill did win, but with only 55% of the vote. Wow. Yeah. That was close. About half of these were really, really close. It was, I was very surprised by that. I feel like this should have a, uh, we should have an electoral college for this. So we root out the people who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, me. All right. Uh, the next round is the Battle of the Buffets, and that is Beer Garden <laughs> against Crystal Palace. Boy, this is kind of uh, tough too. Not really a battle. I was gonna say. I would I would argue that both have uh, a following. There are very loyal people who like both of them. Both have a unique experience. I think that 
in that sense, yes, it may be a tough competition in the fact that they both have followings. But for me, it's not close at all. And in fact, Matt, I was just telling someone this weekend that the one regret I have from round two is voting for Crystal Palace over Deluxe Burger. I, I don't you know should what regret I was it. Th- I know. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, there was lots of things going on last week. I think it was late. I think there was some medication involved. No. I don't know, but I mean, listening back to the episode, I was like, I was echoing myself. As I was listening, I was saying, what in the world? And I was listening to myself saying, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I stand by all of my choices, but that's the one where I was like, you know what? I would go to Deluxe Burger over Crystal Palace any day. I don't know why I picked it. That was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so needless to say, in this round, I voted for Beer Garden. Beer Garden as well. Well, Beer Garden won with 59% of the vote. Mm. Uh, Contempo Cafe against Citricos. Had to go with my boy, Contempo Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Contempo uh, is more of a, of, of a woman. No. He's very masculine with good cupcakes. <laughs> See something you would probably say about a woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, Contempo Cafe was my vote. I don't know anything about his cupcakes, but I went with Contempo Cafe as well. <laughs> nice. And so did our listeners. 60% of the vote went to Contempo Cafe. So it moves on. Okay, so no real surprises yet as we're halfway through the tournament. But I feel like next week is really when we're going to have to start splitting some hairs. It's going to be difficult. Maybe. I still am very surprised that Harambe Market beat Le Cellier. But you're right. Most of them have been predictable in a sense. Well, we we have a we have a very progressive audience. Absolutely. I was I was really pleased with how our listeners voted, so uh, we want to pause for a moment and pay tribute to a member of the Disney family that we lost today, even though he kind of jumped on late, and that is the passing of Robert Osborne. Uh, who, of course, is featured in the great movie ride uh, Q. I didn't realize that the new film that he kind of is in is like 45 minutes long on a loop. Yeah. Yeah. It covers a lot. Yeah. Uh, He's the narrator in the actual attraction, too, now. Mm -hmm. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And uh, a lot of good, if you're like me and like fun facts, a lot of good fun facts and trivia and things like that in that Q. Uh, during the film as well. So I recommend watching it. But uh, he was 84 years old, worked for TCM, and uh, really was a pioneer in helping to preserve Hollywood history. And uh, I enjoy Hollywood and I enjoy history. So I salute you, Mr. Osborne. Enjoy the light spectacular in the sky. Yeah, I always enjoyed watching movies on Turner Classic because he would introduce them. And he would just, like, rattle off these facts. And normally I'd be like, oh, that person learned this right before and is just, like, reading a teleprompter. But with him, it was like, I think he just knows all these things. Yeah, there's certain people that I like that are like that. Like, um, Leonard Malton is one of them Uh that I just feel like is a wealth of information. (laughs) Like, I just want to sit and watch a movie and be like, tell me facts while we watch this. (laughs) What what don't you know? All right, so in the uh, the other this third bracket, 
okay. Um, it's uh, <laughs> Boma, the uh, buffet at Animal Kingdom Lodge, took on Victoria and Alberts. I believe I was the only one last week that did not vote for Victoria and Alberts. So this week, I'm very curious to see who takes this one. My vote this week with Boma and Victoria and Alberts was for Boma. I, you're going to say, what is going on? Yes, you didn't even, you've not even been there. I have not. And I you might hate it. love Boma so, so much. But at the end of the day, Boma is a buffet. And Victoria and Alberts is like the crown jewel of dining experiences, not just in Disney, but in general. And so I had to vote for it. Whatever. All right. Jeremy, what was your vote? Yeah, I feel like Boma would go very far in this tournament if it wasn't against Victorian Alberts right now. But uh, Victorian Alberts, I voted for that simply because there's a prestige that comes along with it. We're going to have to at some point start actually voting. Let's see what the people said. What did the, what did the people say? Yeah, it doesn't matter because the people voted for Boma. Praise really? The Lord. Wow. We'll have 60%. Yes. Do you hear the people eat? (laughs) I feel validated in my low class. Yeah, honestly, Mm. I'm glad Bo moved on and that I don't have to keep voting for Victoria and Alberts because I think I would just keep voting for it until it went up against something. Well, that's what I was going to say. If we just keep basing it on, well, it's the nicest restaurant, then it just wins. So let's just stop the tournament. But I'm glad that we have people that are in it for the long haul. I hope that wasn't an impersonation of me. It was everybody. It was both of you. <laughs> it's the nicest the restaurant. It's a nice restaurant. I like <laughs> it because they wear cuts and ties. Well, 40% of our listeners and I are very offended by that. It's the bourgeoisie. We we lost yeah. out. So an animal pin wins over Victoria. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trump's America, folks. Yeah, this is, this is what we are. Next, Whispering Canyon versus... Kona Cafe. Uh, Whispering Canyon at Wilderness Lodge. Kona Cafe. Table service at Polynesian. And I, in a surprise for me, voted for Whispering Canyon. Oh. I thought for sure when you said surprise that you were about to drop Kona Cafe. That's not a surprise. Oh, well, I, was, I have an affinity for the Polynesian Resort. I see. Overall. I see. Yeah. Well, I too voted for Whispering Canyon. I love. I really enjoyed Kona Cafe when we went. Um, I mean, Tonga Toast, it's great. And I think it's a very solid restaurant. But overall, I mean, the food at Whispering Canyon is good. I do love Wilderness Lodge. So even though it's not necessarily my favorite restaurant in the world, in this head-to-head battle, I voted for it. And I voted for Canyon. All right. Well, so did our <laughs> listeners. No. I'm so sorry. 51%. This one by one vote. And it was Kona Cafe. Wow. Yeah. Oh, ouch, America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? I mean, Kona's good. You can't deny it. But Whispering Canyon, that's like... It's like the Pirates of the Caribbean of restaurants. Tomorrow, somebody will get a picture with Whispering Canyon out walking in the woods. <laughs> Such a <laughs> dork. Uh, all right. Next. 
Liberty Tree Tavern versus California Grill. Liberty Tree Tavern versus California Grill. I voted. I'm not going to say mine yet. Okay. Yeah, we've, Derek. we've been to both of these places as a group. We enjoyed both of these places as a group. But I had to give it to California Grill because of the fine dining, because of the excellent view, and it's just kind of nicer overall. I went with Liberty Tree. Just right. because I like the food there a little better than I did at uh, California Grill. I went with Liberty Tree because the food is wonderful and I love the the theming and the, and the setting. I'm curious to see where people go with this because California Grill is very, very popular. It is. With our listeners, I guess it's not because 50, 57% went with Liberty Tree. All right. Yay, America. This is David versus Goliath right now, I think. Maybe not in terms of popularity, but certainly in terms of what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiffin's, Tiffin's at Animal Kingdom, the new signature dining uh, option, Animal Kingdom. And Kringla Bakery in Norway. I don't think there's any question what I voted. It's Kringla Bakery all the way. Okay. What about you, Jeremy? I went with Kringla Bakery because school bread. Because they call school bread. Yeah. I voted. Let me just guess. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, listen. It's it's dark and they have expensive menu items. <laughs> no 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 no. School bread is amazing. Don't get me wrong. And I liked the sandwich I've had there. I liked did not love the sandwich I had there. But in the end, like it sells sandwiches and pastries. You sit outside. It's a tiny little place. So in the end, I had to pick Tiffin's. When, when when we read that menu a few episodes ago, I was like salivating over everything on it. Under a grass roof. What is? Tiffin's? No. Kringla Bakery. Oh, uh, when you eat outside, you mean? Yeah. Anyway, I love them both. Don't get me wrong. Our listeners, 67% of them voted for, let's face it, school bread. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. You did good. Kringla remains in the competition. Next. The lackluster event of the season. Via Napoli versus Sci-Fi Dine-In. Uh, last week I did not vote for Via Napoli. This week I did vote for Via Napoli over Sci-Fi. I did too. Uh, I went with sci-fi because I like that concept. Okay. Well, 58% voted for sci-fi, which means it won. Science fiction. (laughs) If I didn't have to make like 64 of them last week, it would have been cool to make like little logos and team names for each of the restaurants. (laughs) When we get down to four, you can do that. Let's do it. Okay. Bingo. (laughs) Or two. Or just yeah, the winner. Just, yeah, just the winner. That's good. Uh, did you see, like, the day after our podcast release, they did the the March Madness thing? With snacks? About food, snacks. Yeah. yeah I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but they were all, like, very Disney. Dis- like, only you can find at Disney. So, School Bread was not on there. It was, like, exclusively Mickey bars. Mickey pretzels mickey waffles was like even dough whips on there 
I think Dole Whip was, yeah. Okay. All right, next. 50s Primetime Cafe versus the Bothus. <laughs> this again. The Boathouse. I, I cracked myself out last week. <laughs> yeah, you did. I did. 50s Primetime Cafe versus Boathouse. I, I'm not, I'm, I keep saying, I keep going first. I want to be held in suspense. I want to be the tiebreaker. Jeremy. I went with 50s, 50s Time. 50s Primetime Cafe. <laughs> I voted for the Boathouse. If the times I've been to both of these, the Boathouse was a much superior experience. I voted for... Guess. The Boathouse. Boat 50s Primetime. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. It's just got that nostalgic Hollywood Studios, MGM Studios thing going on for it. Well, next week will be a battle of the studios because primetime moves on and goes up against sci-fi dining. Oh, bum, bum, bum. Wake the kids and call the neighbors. Because they rape everybody. <laughs> hide your wife. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Speaking of hiding your kids. Mm-mm. <laughs> Be our guest. That's where they hide the children. I'll put them in the Rose Gallery. Uh, Narcusis versus Narcusis takes on Be Our Guest. I voted outright for Narcusis. Death to Be Our Guest. I voted for Be Our Guest. I voted for Be Our Guest and the idea of Be Our Guest. Oh, yeah. If it lived up to its potential... Is that two votes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just telling you. Um, when I think Be Our Guest, I think Whoopi Goldberg dancing with a beast in the ballroom. What do you think our fans picked for this I think matchup? they probably voted for Be Our Guest. We don't have to insult them. <laughs> I think that they voted for Be Our Guest. Yep, this was the second biggest blowout of the competition. 79%. Voted for Be Our Guest. What's wrong with us? What's what's wrong with America? Well, you have to think about this. First off, probably most of our fans and most people who Disney, they don't go to Narcusi. But everybody knows Be Our Guest. I'm willing to bet that a third of the voters had never heard of Narcusis. Probably so. And Matt, I think you would like, you, you actually like keeping it like a hidden secret. You don't want it to be oversaturated. Look what happened to Le Cellier. Hmm. <laughs> Look what happened. Look what happened to your brother. <laughs> uh, last matchup for the evening. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. It's like the same thing, except different continents. It's like Columbia Harbor House versus the Rose and Crown Pub and Dining Hall at Epcot. Columbia Harbor House in Liberty square i voted columbia harbor house all the way america me too i voted for columbia harbor house and i want to say this right now if this was up to me and me voting only the final match would be ohana versus columbia harbor house wow oh it could be it could be because it did oh yeah because it won i'm sorry yeah spoiler okay good i was like (laughs) 
Yeah, Columbia won, but only 53% of voters picked it. I was really surprised at how well Rosencrown did. Mm, people. I liked Rosencrown. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yes, but where else can you people watch in the Magic Kingdom better than Columbia Harbor House? You just sit up on that second floor next to the window. Ugh, people don't even know you're looking at them. That's right. That's the way I like to watch people. That's weird. <laughs> so, so real quick, let me run through the sweet and savory 16. We've got Ohana, Flame Tree Barbecue, Sanaa, Harambe Market, Skipper Canteen, Pecos Bill, Beer Garden, Contempo Cafe, Boma, Kona Cafe, Liberty Tree Tavern, Greenglob Bakery Og Cafe, Sci-Fi Dine-In, Prime, 50s Primetime, Be Our Guest, and Columbia Harbor House. There you go, listeners. Now it's up to you. Go back to madchatters.net slash, excuse me, slash Munch Madness. Place your votes. And next week, we will reveal the Edible 8. <laughs> I just came up with that on the spot. <laughs> you truly do oh. have a gift. Edible 8. Edible 8. So there you go. It's in your hands. Global water levels continue to rise. Walt Disney World begins construction on a multi-billion dollar dome to encapsulate all of the Walt Disney Resort over the next 20 years. Also, the wall can be completely disassembled in 24 hours. In the year 2071. In honor of its 60th birthday next year, Beast Castle is undergoing a major transformation. Imagineers are reimagining the castle's exterior so that it matches the castle featured in the brand new animated remake of the stage musical version of the live action remake of the 1991 animated classic Beauty and the Beast. In the year 2071. A sagging, wrinkled, washed-up Zac Efron is performing this weekend at Eat to the Beat at Epcot. The audience is appalled as Zac forgets the words to his hits from High School Musical 3 and begins to drunkenly lash out, I, I used to be somebody! In the year 2071. Following a long line of upcharged trends, visitors must now pay an extra fee to visit the American Adventure World Showcase, to qualify for the purchase and to enter through what is now called the Great American Wall, you must complete a background check and DNA test. If you fail to do either, you'll be deported to International Gateway on a ferry boat. <laughs> In the year 2071. With guests now able to book dining reservations and fast pass selections three years in advance, any guest trying to book dinner at Ohana 
for the year 2073 are directed to a website page that simply says phrases like, Yeah, right. Or, You be trippin'. Or, Don't worry, walk-ups are always accepted at Spice Road Table. In the year 2071. Ellen's Energy Adventure has been revamped, starring America's new favorite talk show host, Wendy Williams. Wendy's energy adventure teaches us that the one energy source that will never run out is not brain power, but the power of celebrity gossip. Mm-hmm. How you doing? In the year 2071. Walt Disney World unveils a groundbreaking update to the MyMagic Plus system with a subdermal implanted microchip. Uber fans can now literally have Disney inside of them. Subsequently, Pat Robertson announces a boycott of the company, calling the new company move the mark of the beast. Consequently, Pat Robertson is still alive through the magic of Disney animatronic technology. In the year 2071. Walt Disney World is receiving complaints that the latest update to Spaceship Earth is too scary for the average guest. The company is being asked to remove the scene, which is centered on the early days of the smartphone and features characters like Twitter trolls, people who FaceTimed on speakerphone in public places, people who texted with the keyboard click sounds turned on, and people who commented on celebrities' Instagram posts with nothing but the word, first. <laughs> Let's not forget the old people who look at their phone while it's ringing loudly in a public place and will <laughs> yes! not silence it. <laughs> like, who is that? Who's co- yeah. oh. What is this? <laughs> What is this? You can press a button. Just press a button. Any button. Back on episode 103, we did an episode devoted to the music of Magic Kingdom, and we took you on a musical tour of that park, talking about all the background loops and the original songs that are featured there, and we talked about how music adds so much to the theme of a Walt Disney park. And honestly, I think time went by and we kind of forgot that we did that as much as we enjoyed it. But a listener reminded us recently and requested that we do the other parks. And I think we agreed that that was a good idea. So this week, our musical tour of Walt Disney World takes us to Disney's Animal Kingdom, where we will discuss some of the original music you will find there and why it makes this park, why it elevates this park and makes it even better than it would be otherwise. So I think the best place to start is at the entrance to the park, which I believe is called the Oasis. I don't know where the Oasis begins and ends exactly. Ah, oh, that's deep. No, it's, it's genuine. <laughs> I want you to tell me. I think it begins when you enter the gates and then up until the bridge over to Discovery Island. Okay. Now, when I see links to quote, Tree of Life area music. Mm-hmm. Is that also the Oasis? Because if not, they sound really similar. 
I think so. It's very similar. Yeah, kind of earthy, wind yes. flutey, Native American y. Yeah. Yeah, and you almost hear like, it sounds like clapping. Yes. But I don't think it is. Almost like leaves, <laughs> like really heavy leaves being. <laughs> that's what that's how they recorded that in the booth what's the word it's uh world music it's uh tribal yeah tribal kind of yeah there's a there's a little element of primitivity to it I like it. I find this music to be very relaxing. Oh, I could fall asleep to the Oasis music for sure. Yeah, it, it certainly fits with the uh, with the surroundings, with the waterfalls and the shady trees. Uh-huh. I think this music matches the whole idea of Animal Kingdom as a park in that you're not supposed to just run through it and go attraction to attraction, but they wanted it to be something that you slowed down and enjoyed even the foliage and the surrounding and the atmosphere. And so this music right there at the gates helps you to kind of relax and, and just slow down from the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. These are some of my least favorite tracks to listen to like while I'm at work or while I'm in the car or some, or at the gym or something, just because, like, they are sort of forgettable and nondescript, like, the the Oasis specifically. But I think you're right. Like, in that area, it does exactly what it's supposed to do, and it really fits the area well. Yeah, because usually when you walk into the park, you're in a shuffle because you're trying to get through security, you're trying to get in, you know, through the gates, and then there's people there trying to get their maps, and you're getting your sunscreen on, and you're, uh, you know, and everybody's just, rrr, 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 rrr. and then you have this music, and you just kind of are able to say, whew, I can mm-hmm. breathe now. I'm in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. And I don't know where people online find the names of these tracks, but every time I find them, it's stuff like Celebration and spring and summer and that is kind of the feel you get from this music like it's a celebration of life and nature and all sorts of stuff like that like you said earthy yes earthy Mm -hmm. earthy elemental so then as you come closer to the tree of life all around you is discovery island with things like flame tree barbecue and the stores that are there pizza fari stuff like that so how would you describe the music in this area Adventureland. yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i wrote down <laughs> it's very Adventureland like uh there's a lot of the tracks that are the exact same exactly so the same yes the mar- marimba music yep yep it is in both parks yeah i like the new look of this isn't about looks i know but I love the new look of Discovery Island. It's a little less um, zany, whimsical, zany. Yeah, it's a little less on that side of things, and I, I, I more earthy, and I like I like that, and I think it goes well with that that music. Yeah, this music is very different from what we just talked about at the Oasis, which is very calm, soothing. This is kind of where it's like, all right, let's have some fun now. It plays yes. the steel drums and the marimbas, like you said kind of picks up the pace. It's got a tropical vibe. 
Yeah, it does. You're right. Most of the times during the day, there's an actual steel drum, tropical-ish Caribbean band over as you're heading towards Dino Land. Yes, there is. There's the guy with the harp. Do you know what I'm talking about? You talking about the guy in Africa? No, no, no. Right at that stage, right... What's that store? A Discovery uh, Trading Company, I think? Yeah. Or maybe that's on the other side. Anyway, there's that little stage there, and they use it for the carnival at night. But I've Uh noticed him during the day as well. It's just this big harp. I don't know the name of it. Um, But he jams out on it. It's not just like what you think of when you think of like fake angels in the play at your church you know playing the harp it's he jams out on this harp and it is good i love a good jam on a harp okay th- <laughs> well this website calls it a paraguayan paraguayan harp i don't, I don't know how it's accurate Paraguay. That is. well you're right i get that but i'd never heard of that anyway he's really good and i don't know if that's new or if i've just started noticing it but it adds to that area a whole lot um, but if we're going to talk about original music, I think we have to talk about the, the attraction that's in Discovery Island, which is It's Tough to Be a Bug. Yes. There was a specific song written for this show that's at the very end called It's Tough to Be a Bug. It's the one that you might recognize as We're Pollinators. We're Pollinators. We're Pollinators. Yes, like that. Fresh fruit and flowers. If it weren't for the fact that we like the taste, you'd be out there wallowing in shoulder high waist. Shoulder high waist. And I had to look this up, but the music is by George Wilkins, who composed music for Horizons, Living with the Land, Under New Management, our favorite version of Tiki Room. Oh. Everybody has a blemish. He composed music for Sunny Eclipse. Ooh. Also, Superstar Limo. Uh, So he's done a lot of park work, but then he also... Um, another person who contributed to this song was Kevin Rafferty, who's a famous Imagineer who worked on Toy Story Mania, Cars Land. I guess has a lot of Pixar tie-ins, it sounds like. Also the founder of the restaurant chain, Rafferty's. A little known fact, yes. I don't think that's true. No. <laughs> Probably not. That's an alternative fact. <laughs> You're <laughs> nice, right. Nice. I like the other music here, too. The little bug parodies of the Broadway tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beauty and the Bees. Beauty and the Bees. And I don't know what the other ones are called, but you hear songs from My Fair Lady, I Feel Pretty is is in there in the queue. Uh, what's the one from The King and I? I could have danced all night. Yeah, I could have danced all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think there's a song called One that they do. I think I saw that pop up in my research. Is that from the chorus line, I think, right? Oh, maybe so. Yeah. Look at me in my Broadway facts. Yeah, so basically they buzz these tunes. And it's nice as you enter. Yes. But yeah, the big song with lyrics at the end were pollinators. If you like vegetables, fresh fruits and flowers, give thanks to us bugs for our marvelous powers. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. 
Now, when shoulder this, um, high waist, that's probably the best yeah. part. Shoulder <laughs> high waist, is at the keychain. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. If it weren't for the fact that we like the taste, we'd be out there wallowing in shoulder high waist. Shoulder high waist. Which is a beautiful mental picture as well. Yeah. Bring out the bring out the chorus line. And then it goes to like halftime. Yeah. If all bugs were wiped off the face of the planet. Yeah. If yeah, uh, with if this pops up on your um Spotify listener skip. Oh, that's sad. No, what? I'm asking, do you listen or do you skip it? Oh, I'm oh, listening. I think I think you were saying listeners skip it. Oh no, no. I'm asking if you listen. It's not an imperative, it. it was an interrogative statement. Yeah, no, I always I do skip this one. Oh, I listen. Dude. I enjoy it. It's short. Well, the good thing about it is, like, this is the point where all the kids are begging to be let out of there because it's terrifying. And this is like, no, it's okay. It's a fun song with a key change. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tough to be a bug. I find most songs that remind me that I'd be up to my neck in fecal matter are some of my favorites. Shoulder highways. Shoulder highways. Um, the Tree of Life does have its own loop that's different from the Oasis loop, but it, it the 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 feel is similar. It's the windy, fluty, earthy, earthy stuff. Little known fact: this is a little uh, map, uh, mad chatter, mat trivia for you. When I was really, really into professional wrestling. When I was in middle school, and uh, my buddies would come over and we would do our little wrestling matches on the trampoline in the backyard, uh, we had an entrance, like a whole entrance, like WWE style entrance with a ramp, and we had our entrance music. One of my personae was called Thunderbird, and my entrance music was, and my entrance music was the Tree of Life theme. Oh. <laughs> I think you're going to say, we're pollinators. <laughs> that would be great. No. no. I will, from now on, refer to you as Thunderbird from the Thunderbird. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Oh, we forgot. Wait. Is Flame Tree... Are you counting... Flame Tree Barbecue is part of Discovery Island. Yeah, that has the Adventureland music. Flame Tree Barbecue has its own music and it's wonderful yeah but one of the tracks that plays is one of the tracks that's also played in Adventureland maybe I just know that a lot of them have like the didgeridoo that has a um, that Australian kind of sound to it it's very much so yes it's got a different kind of acoustic feel I like the music there that's a fun one to listen to Flame Tree Barbecue Music Loop Let's go over to Dinoland, USA, where in the Chester and Hester area, I think, I know in the Boneyard area and around by Restaurantosaurus, they play pop and rock songs that are themed to dinosaurs. 
And the idea, which I just found out while researching for this, because I guess I've never listened to it closely enough to really hear them do this, but the idea is that all these songs are being played on a radio station that are being run by two interns at the Dino Institute. Yeah. And I guess they kind of introduce the next song as it pops up, and they say things like, they say things about Dr. Marsh. I didn't realize that. This is my, like, throwaway I like Dinosaur, the ride, but I hate Dino Land. And I think the land, much like the music, is was just is just an uh, it's an unintended disaster of theming. Now, Derek, do you have a list of the songs that are played in Dino Land? I know a Stephen Curtis Chapman song for those who enjoy 1990 CC. CCM music? Yeah, yeah. Music. Yeah, I, I didn't write down all of them. I wrote down the ones that, as I read it, I was like, oh, that does play there. I've heard that. Dancing with the Dinosaur is the Stephen Curtis Chapman song. That's interesting. Which actually has nothing to do with dinosaurs at all. It's just a random line. So you know somebody at Walt Disney Imaginary was just Googling dinosaur songs, and that popped up. Well, that's all of the songs, right? It just, it just has to have anything to do with bones, dust, digging. Right, bad to the bone plays yeah okay yeah you're right okay and that has nothing to do with dinosaurs either yeah um it's the end of the world as we know it yes i hear this one all the time when mm-hmm. i'm there uh digging in dino land okay that is a wonderful song i feel like that might be original because it's so I think specific it is. to animal yeah. kingdom yeah whoa I do love that song. Uh, this was my skip when I used to get the official albums on CD. That's, this was my oh, skip. No, it's Are so you know, good. I love the song. It's like reggae. I just don't like anything about Dino Land except Dinosaur. Mm. I think... Well, I've said this before, I'll say it again because it bears repeating. And that is, I know that Jurassic Park, you know, is taken by Islands of Adventure and they have that theme, you know, working for them over there. But when you, when you go with dinosaurs, dinosaurs are big and orchestral and John Williams. They are not kitschy pop songs and, and, and little, and I don't, the whole Dino Institute thing, just, I don't think works they didn't make it work now here's what i'm gonna say about this a few weeks ago we talked about the best cast member uniforms and marshall mentioned the uniforms that are at dino land usa and he admitted that they're hideous but that's why they worked perfectly for that area and i think the same is true for the music it's ridiculous and kitschy but it all just kind of works but the whole area, I mean, there's nothing there. It's just the trees, and they got some bones, and there's Dino Land, and then that Chester and Hester's. But Chester and Hester's was there until, what, 2003? I do kind of like going in the bathrooms right there by Chester and Hester, that fake little gas station, because they just, like, pump this music. I feel like they should go serious with Dino Land. It's, dinosaurs are they're serious. Well, let's talk about Dinosaur then, because the music does get more serious over by the Institute. I like the dinosaur music. As much as it sounds like someone sat down with a Casio keyboard in the (laughs) mid-90s 
and made this the the whole score for the attraction on like finale 2.0 with the midi thing uh i love it you're so right but it's exciting and adventurous little fake trombone sounds bomb 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 that's exactly it yes I think the whole thing could use a little upgrading as far as the pre-show and as much as we love dr marsh it's almost 20 years old and uh, so i think the music and stuff could use a little updating but i love it nevertheless i'm okay with it because the institute's old as well like it's a museum they don't have money to be changing their background loops yeah they gotta keep up that terrific museum-like diorama at the beginning. That's mm, true. Well, we have more than just background music in Dinoland USA. We also have some original songs brought to us by the musical genius of Robert Lopez and his wife, Kristen Anderson Lopez of Frozen fame. And I'm talking about Finding Nemo the musical, a favorite of Jeremy's, for sure. And let me just say, Derek admitted to me over the weekend that the last time he saw Finding Nemo the musical, he teared up a little bit at the end. Wow. First of all, I said that to you in confidence. (laughs) And second of all, if we're going to talk about this, I did more than tear up. I'm not going to lie. It was like streaming down my face, and I don't know where it came from. That's the Holy Ghost. Just let let go and let God. That's what I say. I think it was, when I see it with other people, everybody's kind of like, oh, this is nice. But the family I saw it with, with Terry and the nephew niece, they were all like, this is so good. And as I sat there, I was like, this is good. Like, this is a, this is a really good show. And when he says, that's my dad, that's oh. when I was like, yeah, it's his dad. <laughs> and I was, oh. I had to like keep wiping them off my face, and they were like, "Are you crying?" Stop it! Yes. And for the record, I have said it's good for years, and you're just like, "Yeah, whatever." I'm no, glad it's good. Listen it to really somebody else's good. opinion. I loved it the first time. It's just such a long show, but this time it was the very first thing we did in the day. I wasn't really in the... Sometimes I'm like, why am I wasting an hour of my day to see this? But in this case, I knew we had time to do everything. And so I was like, I'm just going to enjoy this. Everyone around me was super into it. And it's just, it's really well done. It's so good. It really is. Yeah. But let's talk about some of the songs. You guys can tell me your favorites. So we've got In the Big Blue World. That's my favorite. Well, there you go. We're done. All right. So moving on to... The- the seas the other day it was it, it's in the seas at epcot too if you can't get to the finding the musical it's at the finale scene of the seas with nemo and friends and it's just a wonderful little catchy song you'll be humming it for uh hours thereafter that is true yeah although i'll tell you which one i always have in my head when i leave the theater go with the flow that's my favorite i like it too it kind of reminds me of a beach boys song yeah, well, I think that's the I think that's the vibe. Uh, yeah. um, the last time I heard it, the guy singing that doing Crush was not so great, and it ruined. Oh. The, he was terrible. That is a shame. Maybe the other guy was sick, but it was bad. 
I like also the um, Fish Our Friends song mm-hmm. that Bruce sings. Oh, yes. And I like how it starts out with like the boom, 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 boom. boom. Yeah. And then it like when he smells the blood, it turns into like the rock song. It's like, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I like what do that. You, what do you call that when music goes from like something? It's like the same melody, but in a different format. Variation. Variation. There you go. Um, and then I also like the song um, uh, that the tank fish sing. Uh, together, we swim they together. Swim together. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. then they, they do that at the end as well when they're all caught in the net. Yeah, but th- I like the, the peppiness of it when it's like, we swim in harmony and we study dentistry. Nice. Oh, look nice. at that. Look at you. I like the ending one where it's, uh, is it when all the fish are in the net at the very end and they do the, it's kind of slow and like epic. We swim together. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's right. when he does his, that's my dad. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, that's yeah. the part where I cried a lot is the, we swim together. Yeah. Well, the, that's my dad. Like it kind of does that three times. Like at the beginning, it's where's my dad. And then near the middle, there's not my dad. And so that's I hate why my dad. When, yeah. So that's why when he says, that's my dad, it's like, it's calling back all those other times. And yeah. But there's also Dory's song, Just Keep Swimming. Yes. I My favorite part of that is when she's like, P. Sherman 42, Wallaby Ways. P. Sherman 42, Wallaby La, 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 la. Oh yeah, it's the it's, it's just the the um the over the top nature when she's doing the la 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 stuff. I like that too. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Life isn't all that grim. Oh. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. What do we do? We swim. Right. La 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 and they, they they did a very good job of like compressing a lot of the movie into one song there. Yes. Yeah, no you're so right. Yeah. I don't um I love the music and I like the presentation. I really do like the puppets and the scenery and stuff. I don't really like it the placement in Dino Land and I don't like the um I don't like the theater. I think it's kind of shoddy. But Really? Other than that yeah, I don't the, the benches and it's just kind of like it's kind of bare and there's not a lot of character to the actual theater um, other than the the front and even that's just kind of flat with the little little plastic bubbles you know yeah I can see that uh, but the music is is wonderful I always enjoy it for that reason they did a good job so would you say you like their music in this better than their music in Frozen yes <laughs> I thought that might be the case. Absolutely. Well, I think, yes, I'll agree with you because um, I think Finding Nemo lends itself to their style of that more whimsical, quippy yeah. kind of lyrics, where Frozen is a Disney princess, so you're expecting more grandeur in your lyrics. Not gas. Not gassy. Yeah. 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 I hate that line. My favorite line to hate in all the Frozen lyrics is when Anna and Elsa are going back and forth, like in the cat in the in the ice castle, uh-huh. when Anna goes to get her or whatever, and they're kind of doing their little back and forth. Don't let me, you know, they go back and forth, and then Elsa goes, oh, 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 oh. 
<laughs> she stopped. It's like, oh, oh. I was like, that's lazy. I find all those lyrics and the writing in Frozen very lazy. Interesting. Yeah, but Nemo is wonderful. And the Book of Mormon is wonderful. Oh, wow. You're just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah, let's throw it out there. Yeah, Robert Lopez. There you go. It's good lyrics. I'll admit it. Um, but before we close out this section, I'll just read the lyrics to In the Big Blue World. Because I, I don't think I'd ever really notice them. But Can I read some lyrics from Book of Mormon? Um, we'll just we'll start with we'll start with finding Nemo. Just see where it takes us. In the big blue world, we're gonna go explore. In the big blue world, things we've never seen before. What's waiting out there? We can never know. In the big blue world, we're ready to go. And that really is such a good picture of what Finding Nemo is. Like you just kind of have to take a leap and go explore, even if you don't know. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. Go have an adventure! And I love how they used lyrics and even song titles that are directly taken from quotes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when I watch Finding Nemo, they'll say something and I'll sing the next line because yeah. I'm like used to it from the song. We cross the bridge now from Dinoland USA over to Asia. Asia, it has some, it has some, it has some sleepers. There's some sleepers in Asia. It's not. This is, I guess, this is the first land that we're talking about today, not necessarily in the order that you visit, but the, this order we've talked about today. This is the first land that is obviously based on real places, mm-hmm. and so the background music is not there necessarily to be in your face and serve as like painting the theme for you. This is where the background music is serving the theme. And so it's very understated. It's just kind of almost distant. Even when you listen to a recording of it, the the sound is very distant. And it's kind of cultural street music. If you would think of like street music somewhere in like uh, Thailand or um, India or the Himalayas, uh, Bangladesh or something where all these places are are centered. It's that. And it's it fits perfectly with with the whole area. Yeah. Yeah, you have a lot of like what's that the sitar? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, I think there are probably different different loops for the different areas, but maybe so. Anandapur certainly has its own little feel and then the other places have their own their own little feel too. I think Anandapur when I think of that I think of like flutes, like lots of high flutes, bamboo flutes. Yeah. Things like that. Um what's the Indian flute that almost it's you, you hold it out in front of you almost like a clarinet or oboe but it's made of like wood or bamboo or something it sounds like a wooden indian flute that's it a band bansuri bans, bans anyway what is that called 
Like the snake charmer flute. Yeah, almost like that, yeah. <laughs> Not like that, no. Um, I do like it. It's very understated. Um, and when you listen to it just in your headphones at work or somewhere else, you are kind of like, you just get an Asia feeling, even if you don't instantly think, oh, this is the music in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes with, uh, it goes with the little, um, oh, I always forget the name of this word. I always forget this word. The, the little rickshaw, um, the rickshaws on the road and the, the little food trucks that are kind of that brightly colored Indian and Thai-ish, Thailand, Thai paint. Um, patterns and colors. It goes perfectly with that street streetmosphere, is what we'll call it. But the the music in Asia that always makes me laugh is when you come around I guess it's not really a corner it's right there where like you can turn to go towards Cali River Rapids uh-huh. and there's always live entertainment right there and there's yeah. blasting music from a speaker like Bollywood music basically yes and they're dancing Bollywood style except they're really not it's more just like a dance party because they're trying to get kids yeah. involved and I'm like it's almost borderline racist. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do that in Asia. I don't know. And it's always like two or three women just groove into this almost like electronic Indian music. Jaho! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised I don't play that track, to be honest. No, I know what you're saying. I don't think it's borderline racist, but I do think it may be exaggerated a bit. But I've never been to India, so who knows? Maybe they do. Rock out. It's very true. Do anybody else have anything about this area? No, Asia doesn't really have anything that sticks out. Like, there's not like a distinctive song or right. uh, original song. You know, it'd be kind of funny if they did. It would be inappropriate, but it would be funny. Like around the monkey pen, if they're like, see the Asian monkeys, they're <laughs> swinging from the trees. <laughs> that would be horrible. I guess you can kind of include the Rivers of Light music now. Oh, oh yeah. that's true, yeah. I haven't heard it yet, but... Me neither, actually. I heard the Jungle Book Alive with Magic, which was yeah. something. Hey, can you guys... Do you guys know the, um, the theme song from Expedition Everest? I know that when you first take away from the tracks, you hear, like, the... It's almost like a an eerie sound and you hear the train whistle and yeah when you're on the the first well the second lift hill actually and you actually go through the the little elevated temple there where the yeti is painted on the Mm -hmm. you have it's it's like a i don't know it's just like a brass sound but it's kind of a dissonant chord just kind of off off off-putting unsettling it's kind of like And that's all you get. <laughs> I felt like I was there. Yeah. Suspenseful. Very, yeah, it very much is. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move to the final land in Animal Kingdom. Africa slash Harambe. Half of it's Harambe. This is my favorite. I love the little live entertainment they usually have out there. Um, yes. 
I, and I love that they play that one Paul Simon song. Um, Wiki Africa, whatever it is. No. Oh. Um, if you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I can call you Betty. And Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. That's such a good song. I don't even know it, but I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, it's so good. This is by far my favorite music in Animal Kingdom. You just walk over that bridge with the big like Jurassic Park type gates you know, on either side. Mm-hmm. And you just hear it coming over that hill. And everybody, mm-hmm. I like, I have to dance a little bit as I walk down the street. Or move my shoulders, as I say. I have to move <laughs> my shoulders. Like Gene Hackman in The Birdcage. This is my move here. <laughs> Not like that. We are family. <laughs> yes! A Birdcage reference. I knew it was going to be a good night. I don't know how long that specific band has been there, but they're up on the little stage and it's got the guy with the keyboard and the guy on the guitar. And then there's usually a female singer. And then they've got a few dancers down on the ground who are trying to get kids involved. But it is so upbeat. I don't I don't even know how to describe it, but it's, I love it. It's an African street party. They have a CD for purchase as well that you usually can find in the shop there. Nice. But they're not the only live entertainment because I've also been over by Harambe Market when there are two or three women singing a cappella. And they just repeat themselves a lot. And there's a, usually a guy behind them with a drum. But, I mean, it, it's they're good. The two times I have been to Harambe Market and, like, sat and ate there, it has been the dude with the stringed instrument that plays yes. literally the same chord. <laughs> oh, and maybe it's the only chord the instrument plays. Like, it's not meant to play different chords. But it was just like... And he had a he had a headset mic on for some reason. Like he sings, but he didn't sing. No. All you could do is hear him randomly greeting people. You could hear the brum brum. How you? Hello, hello. <laughs> because I thought it was coming through the speakers for the yeah. longest. As we sat there and ate, I thought for sure it was coming through the speakers. And then I'm like, oh, it's that weird dude over there. Yeah. Brum. <laughs> it's soothing and pleasant. Yeah, it was. But it is so repetitive. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the Country Bear Jamboree movie where he's like, I play the... It's it's a thing. It's got one string. I play yeah. the string thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Someone tweeted about that guy like six months ago, and he said... He told them it was stringed with fishing line, I think. It's strung with fishing line. Oh, I see. I don't even know what that instrument is. Well, let's call it the string thing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there is another original song in Africa, and that it, well, it's not original, I guess, but it's. I'm thinking of the Lord's Prayer in Swahili on. Yeah, I was gonna say everyone's favorite radio station. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
May it rest in peace. They don't play that anymore. I know oh, they don't. Woo, woo, woo. But I ripped it off. <laughs> Some dog dying. Uh, <laughs> I ripped it off the internet somewhere, so it pops up on my iTunes from time to time. Oh yeah. And, it, and there's really no reason for them to cut it out. I think it would be just fine in there, even with the story gone. They cut out a lot of the story, but I think that song is still fine to play. It is yeah. essentially African to me when mm-hmm. that her, yeah. the, that Swahili thing starts playing. Yes. Because it starts out with the guy going, like, if you listen to the whole track, it starts out with the guy going, I'm me, And I'm just like, yes, I'm there. Yeah. I miss that song. Let's not forget, though, Rafiki's Planet Watch. You're gonna have to tell me what this music sounds like because it's uh it's got the bluegrass petting 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 zoo music like old McDonald had a farm. It's got its own little thing going on out there. It really does. That's the one place you can go at Animal Kingdom where it's like this is a zoo, like from from like the painted murals on the wall to the little the little little glasses where you look through and see the snakes and rats and all that stuff. And then the outdoor petting zoo. I think I'm right. I don't think I'm losing my mind. They do play like bluegrassy, like acoustic-y, old McDonald. Kind of like what Camp Minnie Mickey used to play almost. Well, everything you're describing is exactly why I never go to Rafiki's Planet Watch. So <laughs> Everything you've said is why I don't go there. You can meet some characters out there pretty easily. That is true. Rafiki. Like Rafiki. Flick. Well, and um, Doc McStuffins is over there now. Oh, bless her. Yeah. That makes sense. That's perfect for her, actually. I, I like think that. so, too. Yeah. I actually miss the Camp Minnie and Mu- Camp Minnie Mickey music, you said. Oh. Because it was, it was like bonfire music, just one guitar, but it played Disney music. Like, it played... Yes. Um, Wanna Be Like You. And, yeah, classic Disney songs. The guy who recorded it was often over there playing live. Oh, cool. If I'm not incorrect, or at least it was a guy playing just similar stuff live. But I think it was the guy who actually recorded the original loop. That loop is great. I used to listen to that in the office a lot because it's very like elevator-like music. Yeah, you're right. Just a little over three months, under three months. We're going to have a whole new swath of music to talk about. That's true. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think Avatar music is going to sound like? Is it going to you think it's going to be like a futuristic-y kind of feel, like a metallic? I imagine they'll use a lot of tracks from the film, yeah, which I'm was sure scored be... by the guy who passed away last year. Um, James Horner, I think. Shore? Howard Shore. No. Wow, both of you were way James off. Horner, you're right. Yeah, James yes. Howard Shore is Lord of the Rings. That's right. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll probably use the orchestral stuff for like the the ride, the big one, the flight of the banshee or whatever. 
and I think the other one will probably I think the the general background they'll probably try to stay a little subdued so Navi native music whatever that is people hollering yes he'll be just like that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like every time every time Survivor comes back after a commercial you're like and then like it'll zoom in on a bird flying away I'm always like, this is so bizarre. That's what it is. Speaking of borderline racist. I mean, that's Survivor. Air hookup music. When we talked about doing Animal Kingdom next instead of maybe the more obvious Epcot, I was kind of like, but the music there is so forgettable. But I'm so glad we discussed this today because each land really does have a unique loop and some of them are really good. I think my favorites are Africa and like you said, Matt, the Flame Tree Barbecue areas because they're they're up-tempo um, and yet they do feel, I mean, ethnic, is that the right word to say? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's good stuff. I could maybe do without yeah. the Tree of Life music, but like I said, when I'm there, it feels right. Yeah. And, fun fact, you can listen to the entire Finding Nemo the Musical soundtrack on iTunes or Apple Music or Spotify or whatever you use to stream. So go check it out if you've never heard it, or if you just want a taste of Go With The Flow, because it's so good. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Be sure to go to madchatters.net slash munchmadness and place your votes in round three of our tournament. Um, You can also find us on Instagram at madchatters and Twitter at madchatters and Facebook, and you can send your emails, comments, questions, suggestions, rants, to comments at madchatters.net. We'll see you next week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now. He and his, uh, speaking of Leonard Malton, he and his daughter do a podcast that's really interesting. Is it, how old is he? He's in his 60s, I want to say. No. Leonard Malton? He's got to be like in his 70s. No, he's not that old. His daughter's like our age. No, he's old. When I was little, he did the little intros on the little rascal videos that I used to rent from the video store. And he was like at least 40 something then. He's 66. Mm. There you go. He's a young man. He is. In the prime of his life. He's on all my Walt Disney treasure um, things. Introducing the Donald Duck cart. And the ones in the 40s are funny because he has to come on before each one and tell people not to be offended. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Hitler one? Uh, Hitler. There's some African jabs and Native American jabs. It's just. Now listen. He comes on. Now look. Now look. It was the 40s. <laughs> I think he spearheaded um, the release of those, like uh, Walt Disney Treasure collections. Like That's he was good. the one that really pushed them to release all those. And I'm thankful, even though I don't own nearly as many as I wish I did. But now let's get back to round two of much. That's off to you, Madness. Leonard Malton. I'm sorry. I was just say hats off to you, Leonard Malton, for that. And Leonard Malton is not dead. He's still alive. It was Robert Osborne. Oh, that's right. Robert Osborne is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think, oh, Leonard Malton. <laughs>
Oh well. When, when we he memorialize lives. the wrong guy. You know, we didn't talk about the horrible dance parties that happen by Chester and Hester. There's that truck that's parked right yes. there by the. <laughs> I spilled my water on my computer. He's just a so little. mad. <laughs> no, they play. Like, they just blast you. like Ariana Grande. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, speaking of, we as we should have. Did you hear the new uh, the pop version of oh. Beauty and the Beast? No, I didn't listen to it. Oh, it's so good. It? Like I really liked it. I yeah. like John Legend. It's John Legend and Ariana Grande. It's really good. Nice. Is it like nineties really. era pop sounding? It, it has a little trace of that, but it's, I mean, it's kind of what you'd expect as far as it sounding like a John Legend song. Oh. Or John Legend-y. Yeah, than, uh, than Ariana Grande. It really sounds exactly like the 90s one. Yeah, hold on. I think I'd like it better without that beat. Yeah. It's like, hey, get that guy who doesn't know how to play the drums really well. He can, he knows the one beat. Get him over here to do that. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. 